Today we're in verses 9 through 11. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. And if at all you're a person that pays attention, see, this is how I tested you to see if you really do care about titles or not. If you'll know, notice, last week there was a title that said part one, and I totally went a different direction. So if you didn't notice that and you were a person who raised your hand last week that said you cared about titles, and I got you, and you really don't care about them as much as you think. <laughs> Starting in verse 9, you, however are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the God, the word of God. And so far, what we have seen in this magnificent chapter is Paul verbally assaulting us with encouragement and truth. That's what he's been doing. He's been just throwing encouragement and truth at us, at the, the Roman church, to build us up. However, if you've noticed so far, Paul has been doing this encouragement and building up in a very intentional and specific way. Normally, how our culture and society see encouragement as is saying nice things about who you are to build you up. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are things that we do need, but we need to also be cautious that we're not just flattering. Proverbs speaks very clearly that flattery is a sin. It's a pretty serious sin. And so we're not talking about flattery where after a, a basketball game, when I did absolutely terrible, somebody would come up to me and say, oh, you had such a great game. And I would be like, I turned the ball over ten times and airballed it three. What are you talking about? Paul isn't trying to flatter us or this church. He is building off of truth and encouragement. But Paul's not looking at us and saying, he's not looking at the Roman church and saying, Look how much you've grown. Look how good at evangelizing you've been doing. Look at how much you've been giving. See, I believe that one of the reasons why this is dubbed as one of the greatest chapters is specifically how Paul is actually encouraging us in this chapter. What Paul is practically saying verse after verse is, would you look at how great God is? Look at how great God is. He's so much greater than we thought. This verse shows us how much greater he is than the last verse. And Paul continues to build out that. And this is what we've seen so far. 
Paul pointing to God and saying, look at what he does for us. Look at how he has saved us. Look how better he is than we thought he could possibly be. So here in in these few verses, the aim of this passage is that if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you, then you are no longer in the flesh. And this right here has profound implications for the believer. For For the person who believes in Jesus Christ, this means something incredible. And so before we get into the passage, I just want to ask this question. I wonder if any of you have ever heard of the New Year's slogan, right? Have you heard of it? No? Well, when I say it, you probably will. A a new year, a new you, me, them, whatever. New year, new me. I'm going to rebrand myself. Every year we make a list of things that we're going to do to change who we are. I don't like the person who I was, so I'm going to be a brand new person. As if it only takes one year to do something like that. A couple of goals. I I chuckle because I'm a goal-oriented person. (laughs) It's, it's, It's like person starts working out and it's as if just because you start to work out and you're in better shape, you're a brand new person somehow. Or you've read 50 books and somehow you're a brand new person. You, you may be, may be a little bit smarter depending on the books you read. But just because you kick a bad habit or you read a bunch of books or you start to eat healthier, work out, doesn't mean that you're a brand new person. But here in this passage, what Paul is explaining to us, right, the the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is now in you means that you're no longer in the flesh What Paul is saying is that it's actually possible to be a brand new person. There's there's one thing that just really, this this is, uh, we used to watch The Wizard of Oz all the time, busts my buttons. I think it was the scarecrow who said that. Is this saying when Christians say, yeah, God gave me a second chance. God didn't give you a second chance because you didn't have a first chance. You were dead in your sins. God rose you to life. He made you a new creation. Not a a second creation, but a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So it's actually possible not to start over, but to be made new. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, I think, sign me up for that. 
I have all of this junk, all of this baggage, all of this guilt, this remorse over previous sins, present sins, worry about future sins. Sign me up to be a new person, a new creation. So this is what we're going to see today. It's the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. Last week, what we saw in verses 5 through 8 is Paul specifically talking about the flesh. If you live according to the flesh, you'll set your mind on the things of the flesh. The flesh leads to death. The flesh leads to death because we do not submit to God's law. We do not submit to God's law, so we are hostile to God, and God cannot be pleased with us. This is our former selves. We were dead in sin, living according to the flesh, letting the flesh dictate what we do and how we do it. Our best works, as good as they possibly could be, have serious flaws and selfish ambitions inside of them that we cannot see. We love to think we're better than what we think we are as humans. And so what we saw is that what the flesh does is the, the flesh employs the law of God for our own benefit. Right? That's the whole reason why most people have kids, because they just want to employ their kids to do chores. Because at some point you get tired of doing chores. Okay, maybe that, that's a little harsh and, and not true at all. But what the flesh does is it employs the law of God for our own benefit. So we look at the law of God, either intentionally or unintentionally for most of us, and we say, how can I use this or manipulate this to get this? So I'll justify why it's not coveting while it's still coveting. Social media is a great thing. And it's also a dangerous thing. It's amazing reading up on things about the next, this next generation that is able to articulate, yeah, things like Facebook and Instagram are breeding ground for all type of insecurity and depression, but I so love it. Because I want to look like that or do that or go to that place. But it's not coveting, it's just staying up to date with my friend's latest stuff. I'm not actually stealing this, I'm borrowing it, I'll bring it back. What's one glance going to hurt me? It's not like it's really hurting my spouse all that much. You know, I'm just trying to be just a little angry with my kids so that way they'll obey a little bit more or take me serious. We love to employ the law for our own benefit when we live in sin. And this is what Paul was talking about in verses 5 through 8. But he also had mentioned something else, is that the Spirit brings life and peace. The power of spirit brings life and peace. It doesn't bring legalism, which brings anxiousness of 
disobeying God and then him smiting us down as if we have to tiptoe around an abusive parent or, or think of their needs in advance so that way we don't get disciplined. That's not what God's like. God, we don't approach him in a legalistic fashion. But he's also not like, a, like somebody who now we can just run around and do whatever we want. That's not what this means, that the Spirit brings life and peace. No, what this means is that there is a delight in the things of God. I delight in things that I once did not delight in. I actually enjoy reading Scripture. I enjoy singing with other Christians. I enjoy talking about the things of God. And what once I used to love to do, I actually now feel a bit of shame and guilt for it for some reason. Because as John says in 1 John, sin will bring death. What is death? The flesh. And so, we read here, those, or you, however, are not in the flesh. <laughs> if you are a Christian, you are not in the flesh. You're not dead. You are not hostile to God. You now look at the law of God and you ask yourself, how do I actually obey this? Not because this is, earns his affection, but because I actually love him and would like to obey him. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, So Paul is using this great, if, if you are in the Spirit and Christ dwells in you, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You have been given the helper as a Christian. Christ said, I am sending peace with you, the Spirit. But Paul makes sure to give this challenge and this clarification. The rest of verse 9. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong in Him. Sometimes we love to, to justify or think, well, I could kind of maybe be in Christ can ride the fence a little bit. I'll have one foot over here on Christ and one foot over here on the flesh. And what Paul is saying is he's planting his flag in the ground and he is saying that is absolutely impossible. There is no way to be half in Christ and half in the flesh, half righteous and half unrighteous. No, what Paul is saying here is Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And 
Once again, John, he, he kind of fills us in a little bit on this in 1 John, does he not? If anyone says he does not have sin or does not sin, then he's a liar. He's not in Christ. You can't ride the fence here. You may go to church, you may give to a church, you may pray, you may read your Bible, you may go to small groups, you may give to charities, you may help the little old lady get her cat out of the tree or help the little old man bend down and pick up his newspaper. You may mow your neighbor's lawn. You may be, quote-unquote, Wisconsin nice, whatever that is. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, then you do not belong to Christ. No ifs, no ands, no buts. No Spirit in you. No Christ. This is what it means that the Spirit is life, that the Spirit frees us, as Paul said a little bit earlier, in Christ. Is that the Spirit sets us free in Christ. But if you don't have the Spirit in you, then you are not free in Christ. You are still a slave to sin. Lately, um, Haddon loves Christmas stuff. You ask him what his favorite season is, he'll say winter. He told me a few weeks ago that if he could skip fall, he would skip fall and just go straight to winter. I think one of the reasons why that is is because he loves the movie The Polar Express. I think Sharice and I have probably watched it probably a hundred times by now. Well, maybe Sharice has. I don't mind it. I, I love the Polar Express. It's a, it's a nostalgic film and also a book for me. But there's one scene as his name is Hero Boy, because he doesn't actually have a name, as he's out talking to the conductor, contemplating whether getting on the train or staying off the train, the conductor just says, well, you coming? You got to either get on the train or off the train. You can't say that you're on the train when you're not on the train. Okay, maybe that's not a good illustration. Here's, here's another one. When I first got here, the, the previous pastor said, I have a box of pens for you. I was like, okay, I've got my own pens that I like. Thank you very much. I started using the pens that he gave me, and sure enough, I'm like, wow, these are way better pens. <laughs> That's all I ever use now. I'm bought in. I'm on. I'm on that train. If the Spirit of God is not in you, what Paul is saying is that then you do not belong to Christ. But here's the assuring part is that if the Spirit of God is in you, what does that mean for you? That you do belong to Christ. Are you in the flesh or in the Spirit? Paul is telling the Roman church, he's telling us 2,000 years later, that you are in the Spirit. However, you are of the Spirit, he says. Because the Spirit dwells in you. But this is the hard work that Paul calls us to as he tells us in Philippians, work out your salvation 
with fear and trembling. He is saying, but the Spirit, if the Spirit is not in you, then you do not belong to Christ. Work it out is what he is saying. This is the incredible reality that Paul is making right here. Without a doubt, he's saying to the Roman church, the Spirit is in you. And because of this, this is what makes what Paul is about to say so magnificent. Once again, building off of encouragement, not flattering, but encouragement of encouragement, because in verse 10, Paul says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So there are two things that are sure in this life, taxes and death. Paul is saying right here, you better believe it, that we all are going to experience death. We cannot outrun it. We cannot hide from it. We cannot pay death, death off. And the reason why this is, is because the wages of sin is death. The most tragic thing about the fall is our separation from God, no doubt about that. But what is one of the big things that the fall, when Adam and Eve sinned and ate the fruit, what's one of the biggest things that happened? Death. Death is a constant reminder that we live in a separated state from God. And we don't know how to really approach death, do we? We approach death in ways that try to make us feel a little bit more comfortable. And so we say we're going to have a celebration of life. Look here, let me say this. If you have lost a loved one recently, it is okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. When Jesus walked into a village and a, a widowed now mother, she just lost her son, they had professional mourners to come and cry and weep with the family who lost a loved one. Death is the tragic reality of sin entering the world. We die and experience death because of sin entering this world. But there is another death that is greater, and that's our spiritual death as well. We are spiritually dead. And what Paul is saying right here to us is that if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is what? The spirit is life because of righteousness. This is why Christ had to die for us. This is why Christ lived for us. He lived a perfect life according to the righteous requirement of the law and died taking our sin for us on his shoulders, rising from the grave, so that when we trust in him, what do we receive? 
We receive righteousness. We receive life. And we receive this by the power of the Spirit. So our mortal bodies will die. But we will be raised with Christ to newness of life. Because of the power of the Spirit, because of Christ's righteousness that we now receive. Christ died so we could live. Are you still in the flesh? I'd just like to ask you to contemplate what this life means. Life in the Spirit, receiving righteousness from Christ. It's exhausting to live in the flesh. We believe that we are free when in fact we're a slave. But Christ truly frees us, and he frees us by giving his spirit to us. But there's more. <laughs> if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. As a mouthful, I understand. But this is a promise of what Paul is giving us right here. What Paul is saying, you can be assured, you come to Christ, you will receive his spirit. You will walk in newness of life if you come to Christ, if you confess your sin, repent of it, and trust in Him. You will experience life. Why? Because the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Let's think about that for a moment. The power of God that rose somebody from the dead is now in you if you are a Christian. The Spirit of God dwells in you if you are a Christian. The, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And although your mortal bodies will fail, although we will start to experience aches and pains in places that we didn't know had aches and pains, We'll start having, <laughs> I was talking to my, to my grandma who said that she was having a competition with my dad to see who could get up quicker from their chair. <laughs> Although our mortal bodies will fail, the same powerful spirit that rose Christ from the dead rose your dead spiritual state to life as well. This is what it means as we are now in the new covenant. He cuts out our heart of stone. He gives us a heart of flesh and he puts his spirit within us. We have truly been changed. If Christ is in you, you've been made new as we'll see in a few weeks you're no longer an enemy but now you're an heir 
a, a precious son, a treasured daughter, a co-heir to the kingdom of God. No longer at odds or an enemy or rebel with God, but one of his children. You belong to a family now, the, the church. What Paul is telling us here in these two verses is that if you are indeed in Christ, then the same spirit that rose him from the dead now indwells in you. This is the present reality that all Christians now live in. That we can have confidence and assurance that the same powerful spirit of God that rose Christ from the dead now dwells in us and makes us alive in Christ. It's not your power that does it. It's not your good works. It's nothing that you have to offer God. It is the power of God sent down from on high to make you alive. So if Christ is in you, here are two true present realities that I hope can encourage you. The first is this. You are not seen by God in the flesh anymore. You're not seen as an enemy of God. You're not seen as a rebel trying to storm the castle and take over his kingdom. That's not how God sees you anymore. You are not in the flesh. You're no longer in the flesh. You once were, and you may still struggle with fleshly things. This is the indwelling sin that Paul was talking about at the end of Romans 7. So you still may struggle with sin. You still may be tempted. The old creature, the old fleshly person that you used to be still might very well try to claw its way back out of the grave that it was put in. But God doesn't see you primarily in the flesh anymore. Because you're not in the flesh. We may be frail. Our mortal bodies may deteriorate. We will experience death. We are frail. But you better believe it, we're no longer in the flesh. If you are in Christ, you are no longer in the flesh. You still may struggle with the flesh, but that's not how God primarily views you anymore. And we'll see that as he calls us heirs, sons and daughters. The second encouragement is this. That if you are in Christ, then the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. He dwells in you. For the longest time after Christ saved me, the Spirit of God made me alive in Christ. This confused me. This confused me greatly because I started feeling guilt and shame for sins that I would commit. And it confused me because it was almost as if one day I was completely fine with it and then the next day there's an immense wave of shame. One day I loved my sin, the next day I hated it. 
To be alive in Christ means that the Spirit of God dwells in you and not the flesh. So when you are tempted or you feel guilt and shame after sin, after you sin, it is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to convict you and lead you back to a good and gracious God. And so the Spirit is put in us to set us apart, to make us alive. What Paul is telling us at the end of the day, as we rest our heads on our pillow and we go to sleep, what Paul is saying, although your body fails, although your body will die, if Christ is in you, then there is an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison that awaits us. And although we will imperfectly struggle with our flesh and continue walking this path, at the end of the day, those who are alive in Christ are seen as righteous. So let's leave here today living in this truth right here. That if Christ is in you, the Spirit of God dwells in you at this very moment, making us alive in Christ to glorify God in our words and deeds. Brothers and sisters, you have been given a helper. You are not walking this life alone. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in you. And quite frankly, that's why we need the church, why we need one another. Because how often do we forget that simple truth that the power of the Holy Spirit richly indwells in us. Let's pray. God, you are gracious and merciful, and we thank you for sending your Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, to dwell in us. Father, we believe, help our unbelief. Forgive us far too often for wanting to walk this life alone. Not wanting to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in any type of sense. We thank you, God, that you have made us alive in Christ. And so we, we worship you. In Jesus.